Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, what makes something funny? As humans, why do we laugh? And are all jokes rooted in ridiculing someone? And is that okay to do? We're talking about all of it after the news on the Matt Townsend Show. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Barack Obama announced today a new push to close the U.S. prison at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba. The president says it's hurting U.S. interests to keep prisoners there in legal limbo. Addressing the possibility of the Syrian regime using chemical weapons in the continuing civil war, President Obama says he will not rush to judge the situation, which could lead to U.S. forces going into action. George Zimmerman waived a pre-trial hearing to argue he acted in self-defense when he killed teenage Trayvon Martin last year. Zimmerman says he will wait until the official trial in June to bring his defense. A Senate panel is going to further investigate the circumstances surrounding the massive fertilizer plant explosion in West Texas earlier this month that killed 15 people. The panel hopes to find out if gaps in current laws allowed for the tragedy to take place. Former vice presidential candidate Paul Ryan is voicing his support for same-sex parent adoptions just as Jason Collins became the first NBA player in history to openly come out as gay. However, Ryan says he is still against same-sex marriage. In world news, Pope Francis has accepted an invitation to visit Israel after a meeting with the Israeli president. Francis is urging both Israeli and Palestinian leaders to resume peace talks and make courageous decisions to better the region. Queen Beatrix of the Netherlands has abdicated the throne in favor of her son, who will now become the first Dutch king in over 120 years. Officials are expecting about one million people will be visiting the country to mark the occasion. And so far, over 20,000 people have applied to be the first humans to settle on Mars. At least 600 of them are from China. However, the actual flights to the Red Planet are still at least a decade away. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side, doing what we can on this program every Monday through Friday. (laughs) I don't know why I go into that little vibrato, but uh, we do what we can on the show to give you some tools, a leg up in this crazy thing we call life. Welcome to the program, everybody. Today, honestly, I've been excited for this show. This is, this is, I'm not like I'm not excited for every show, but this show, way excited. Because I, I like to laugh. And um, some of you may not have noticed that. But I'd rather laugh than eat. How about you, Bryce? You would laugh your way into I'd rather weight laugh. loss? Uh-huh. Well, is that what we're saying? Are you saying I need to lose weight? Well, um, what are you saying? Because I'm more just saying if I had to choose between. A maple bar or a really good YouTube video, I'd go with a YouTube video. I'm actually on board for that. That makes sense. Who can't just sit and watch YouTube videos and laugh? Have you ever seen Bad Lip Reading, BLR? Those are great. Oh, I was watching it today. I was supposed to be working at my office. Yeah. I saw- I was doing a little I saw a fantastic one about psychic powers- Really? Yeah, and about how you can use psychic powers to stop people. And they had one person running at another person, and um, they used their psychic powers to stop them. Except 
psychic powers aren't real. And yeah, so they plowed so they into the person. Oh, yeah. That's funny, though. Like, chest to face. Like, oh. probably broken nose. Like, those psychic powers, they weren't just, like, not yeah. effective enough. They were utterly and totally ineffective. But that's a, good le- that's a very that. good lesson. Because you'll never believe in psychic powers again. Yeah, and it was funny. And it's better you lose a nose than, like, your life. You could have, it could have been ugly. Right. You know? Right. You can fix a nose. You can you can rebuild a nose. You can rebuild a nose. You can fix a nose several times, according to uh, Michael Jackson and other, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, yeah. yeah, allegedly. May and may he rest in peace. Because don't make fun of a man who's passed and their nose. Did you not read the book? Oh, is that one of the rules? Yeah, that's a faux pas. You just you just hit the third rail. Right there, you got electrocuted. Was that too? Soon? That's called ridicule. <laughs> Now, what is that's what's interesting because that's our topic today. Apparently, we laugh for a reason, and part of it is that we ridicule, and ridiculing has this root cause that makes us laugh. Merritt, is that our premise today? Is that yeah. what the good doctor is going to be talking to us about? Yes, he will be. This is going to be fascinating because today you're going to find out why people laugh. Now, for example, um, Bryce laughs because somebody ran into somebody. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's slapstick. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I laughed because they didn't just say psychic powers aren't real. They're like, psychic powers aren't real. Like, and nice <laughs> and powerful. Psychic powers act a crunch. Right? Right? <laughs> I love that. YouTube. All day long. It's great. It's great. Can you, can you see something like that enough? No. Um, I've watched it about four times. Still good. Yeah. So good. I'll see you. When we hit 12, yeah. I'll see how I feel. A good dozen. Do you remember when we watched that silly YouTube video about a cat that looked like a Pop-Tart? Yes. What was the name of the cat? That and it was uh, Nyan Cat. Nyan Cat. Nyan Cat. When we called him Cat-Tart. Yeah, Pop-Tart Cat, yeah. Yeah, and um, that wasn't funny. That was just messed up. That's one of those weird things that just happens on the internet. Yeah. And I think it's but today kinda... it's we're going to teach you what funny comes from because there's a science behind it. I knew there was a science because my kids are funny and they get humor, and then they bring their friends over, and none of their friends get my humor. They don't know. What and to I do think with I'm it. pretty sure it's because they're messed up. <laughs> and then my wife's like, "Well, maybe it's not them. Maybe it's you." And I'm like, "Well, my kids laugh," and she's like, "Exactly, it's you." It's it's all you. Because your kids are yours. So she's pretty sure it's just because we're a little torqued. Like we're a little twisted. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I don't understand how unfunny people function. They do. Yeah. And, and they also propagate. So Yeah, which um, is not right. I mean, you know, there's someone fun. For, there is someone for everyone, apparently. And there is. I don't know. Well, Funny's it, too good. Yeah. And what if you're a funny person living with somebody that's not funny? What do you laugh at? What do you ridicule? You know, like Skyboy. <laughs> Skyboy doesn't even know that his the clothes he wears are funny. He doesn't even know that. We, but we laugh. Do. But we do. And we don't laugh at him. We laugh at his clothes, which is not him. It's separate. So, you know, that's a safe zone. Yeah. He's not even listening. He's so tired. I'm listening. Are you? I hear it all, yeah. It's just you seem so tired. I'm not that tired because I got my energy drink. I gave thing. you an energy drink. Yeah. So I'm all energized now. Yeah, you seem all perked up. 
Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, did you grow up with a lot of humor at your home, Skyboy? I did. Tell I, us something funny that your parents said. You can't put me on the spot like that. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Is that not, like, impossible? <laughs> well, one time my dad said this, but you had to be there. Then see, if you say you, but you had to be there, yeah. that means it wasn't funny. It wasn't yeah. funny. Whatever you said wasn't funny. It's, um, anyway, I can't even, yeah. I had a funny thought, but I can't share it because it's just, you had to be there. You had to be there, which means it was <laughs> only funny that time. It was funny in that moment, but it was almost brilliant in that moment. But then it's not transferable. You know, sometimes humor is not transferable because it's, it's, it's held in time and space. Well, I think also inside jokes, mm-hmm. sometimes like an inside joke can be hilarious, but yeah. you can't transfer it because right. people don't get it. Um, it's like an inside voice. Versus an outside voice. Okay. Which is what my mom used to always say. That's, let's use our inside voice. And um, that worked really well. Is that what you meant, Sky? I think that's exactly what he was going for. Inside <laughs> Or jokes. not at all. <laughs> Whatever. It seems like outside and inside was the only thing that was common yeah. between those. Matt, did you just make a joke? That was a joke. Oh. See, and that, didn't, that wasn't based in ridicule. Was no. It? That was just based in... It was unexpected. See, Absurdity. So that was, yeah. That's what I've taught my kids is sometimes the things that are funny is just when you say something that no one on earth is expecting. It's just so random. It's it makes true. it funny. My, my brothers are, they're, they're weird guys. Love them, but they're weird guys. And they, they've gone through this phase where they think surrealist humor <laughs> is the greatest thing ever. Right. Uh, Phyllis, surrealist humor. What? Surrealist humor as in it does not make sense at all. Yeah. It's just random. Like, I think most of the answers to their jokes are like a loaf of bread. And they'll just laugh and laugh and laugh. Yeah, because... but that is pretty funny. <laughs> That's funny. No matter what the answer, it's just funny if you say a loaf of bread. <laughs> okay, good tip. You know what I mean? That's just surreal. Yeah, it's surrealist humor. Keep going, Merritt. <clears throat> oh, hey, Robbie's in there waving. I think Robbie wants in on this. Uh, Robbie, you got something funny for well, us? Well, and I don't want to spoil the last last week's episode of Studio, or excuse me, not Studio C, uh, Granite Flats on okay, BYU TV. Okay, then let's TV. not. Let's move on. But. Okay. How do you get down from an elephant? How do you get down from an elephant? Oh, loaf of bread. Great timing, Scott. I knew we Where loaded that. We loaded that, that for a reason. Perfect. <laughs> You've never worked. been that fast. Is that how a loaf of bread? And I, I don't remember that the the episode going that direction. Oh, okay. Tell me what they said. How do you get down from an elephant? You don't. You get down from a duck. Because you know, like, down comes from a duck. Yeah, like, you know, so down, like feathers, like feathers, like pillows. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's when you have to think about it. It's not as funny. That's why I delayed the laugh. Is that why you delayed it? <laughs> that was good, Sky. Sky will delay the laugh so that you all have a chance to think. And Wait. Catch up. Do you have any more funnies? Uh, you, Rob, you have a very interesting sense of humor. Have you noticed that? Well, what I found is uh, things that I find intensely hilarious, people only seem to laugh about 30% of the time. Well, because they usually involve a road or a freeway or an overpass or a car. There was this roundabout, and they striped it wrong. It was hilarious. <laughs> or Futurama. Yeah. So you guys were saying? <laughs> That's what we were saying. So uh, what, give us something that you think is funny, Rob. Boy, I like it when somebody 
references something that the rest of the room doesn't get, but you and maybe two other people get. You like the inside joke. You know, the the, the joke. Uh, yeah. You know, there's uh, Bart Simpson uh, in the school play on a Simpsons episode uh, gets to play John Wilkes Booth. And he gets a little carried away. And as they're dragging him off stage, he says, you're next, Chester A. Arthur, you know. <laughs> And you know, seventy percent of the audience yeah. that just no, no, zooms no, no, over their head—it's not inside jokes. It's it's, it's a little like, intellectual yeah. humor. Yeah. It's you need to kind of know your history. Yeah, you, you need, need to, to know, know that there was a president. Yeah, but honestly, maybe not, because maybe that's a joke from Bart Simpson that nobody should be watching. <laughs> I'm just saying. I watch it, but... and you quote it. Which is what's amazing, too, because you actually know all the lines. So that means you are watching YouTube videos of The Simpsons or Netflix or what is it? Hulu. All the time. So you watch them. And then I guess Futurama, too. See, I, I'm not good at that. I can't watch a show and then quote all the funny lines because I'm watching a series right now, which I won't mention the name of just because it's, you know. Anyway, product uh, placement. We can't do that. Yeah, we don't That's want right. product placement. Right. We did that we last can't. week, and we probably got in trouble. So we're not going to do any product placement about this really funny show. But I couldn't quote a line, but I laughed all night. But there's just funny parts. So and, and you know we're yeah. also kind of grateful because if you're not good at quoting it, please don't quote it. Yeah, please don't, don't ever quote hammer. it. Yeah, you there's hammer. already one of me in the room. We don't need you know two poor quoters. Right, I totally agree. Nothing worse than two poor quoters. Or one rich one and one poor one. That was the worst. Uh, Rob, you got another funny thing for us? I know you got funny stuff lined up. I know you. I think human beings deep down all like the same bit of humor. Do you? Pianos. What is more hilarious than a piano? Mm, An accordion. For instance. Okay. You got me there. Accordion's (laughs) better. But here's the part about a piano that makes it so funny. Okay. You see some people carrying a piano down a staircase. And they're heavy. Or maybe they're the piano's in the back of a truck and they're turning the corner. Yeah. Which lots of YouTube videos about that. So if you are really? kind of bored, yes, of people check that people who right did not here. tie down the piano. It could be professional pianos and uh, piano movers in Manhattan with their little cranes lifting the piano up. But deep down, we're just waiting for that moment. That's the best sound in human humor as far as I'm concerned. Hold it. Really? Oh, yeah. Hold on. Yeah. That's a piano for sure. Hey, we got a piano in one of these studios. You want to move it? You want to So you, you like belly laugh when you heard that. There's just something. I, the, I, I can't describe why, but there's something psychological about the. Okay. We've got to ask the good doctor this. About the piano? Yeah. Like, what was it that Rob was laughing at? Because there's something in there. It's funny. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I as as the daughter of musicians, when I hear that, I feel like I'm going to throw up. <laughs> yeah. You got a little nauseous. You actually yeah. had to sit down. That yeah. Sad. Okay. That's funny. Did you guys, is that what makes you laugh? Is a good piano fall? Eh, I mean, that's good. I mean, it, like if it, was, if it landed good. on somebody and you heard more like, huh, yeah, that would be that, cool. You know, well, maybe it's because he had a bad experience with, like, piano playing in childhood. But it's not just me. I think it's universal. People like they, – they, if you saw a newspaper headline that said I'm not piano disaster or, or MIT's famous Baker Hall piano drop, and you go, what? Nerds dropping pianos? I got to check that out. 
no, because to me, yeah. I look at that and I go, oh, what type of piano was it? Like, if it was a Steinway, I might cry. Did someone get that hurt? That would be terrible. I think, I think some people are a little too attached to pianos here. Yeah. <laughs> They're pianos. There's lots of them. Okay? And you know what? They break, and it's great. <laughs> no. What kind of piano was it? Did someone get hurt? What about the people that were moving it? Are they going to have to pay for it? I mean, just the setup of the joke just has to be yeah. dot, 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 ellipses. And the leg was just a little too loose. I mean, it gets funnier the more you do it. It really does. It's now, Sky, you haven't said anything because you, in- you like instruments a lot. Um, yeah, I do. Okay, well, good to have you with us again. <laughs> that was great. Um, okay, so that's, this is good. This is good. Uh, Rob, any other things that make you laugh other than pianos? How about this gentleman who he lives in Norway? And he's constantly hassled by parades going by his house. Today, it was a military parade. Drums going by. And he thinks, hmm, I have this rusty old trumpet sitting here on my porch. (laughs) That's a lot funnier than the piano. The military guys were just about ready to start playing something real. <laughs> are they just, what are they but doing? They have to hold are off. They, are now. they giving him the stink eye? That reminds oh, me of the, the very, very murderous the looking saxophone uh, guy who runs around in like Walmart and onto marching band fields, and he plays his saxophone really loud. Have you guys seen those <laughs> no. YouTube videos? Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. it's like the sexy sax man, and he sneaks out there and he'll like he'll like run into like a a grocery store and get up like on the counters and just start playing his saxophone. He'll play in the malls. Until security comes in. Even while security is dragging him out, he's still playing his saxophone. This is the sound bite, actually. Not that one. He plays this song. Does he really? Yeah. And uh, reminds me of that. There's one where he runs onto the marching band field. See, those are funny. That's funny. But that's kind of gutsy. Have you seen the guy that goes around and just says, look at that. Just look at that. What does he say? Well, you look at that. And he says it like a thousand times to somebody. Oh, he keeps you're, pointing. See, Ed Bassmaster. Yeah. Yes. It was all the outtakes and his reaction to something horrible just happened because I wasn't paying attention was, would you look at that? And he said, and he'll go for, and the guy's like, yeah, can you believe that? And he's like, look at it. Just look at that. Would you look at that? And it goes for 10 minutes. And the guy keeps like agreeing. I know. It's crazy. Funny. That's funny. Okay. <laughs> That's, it's not a. Is that one of the things you have to see for it to be funny? No. No, no, it's it. pretty fine. I've seen it's it. It's pretty funny. Well, I support to, it. You have to see it for well, it to be funny. I guess. Maybe. You, were you not thinking I was funny there? Not. No. <sighs> hey, I'm are sorry. you like. I hear a goat <laughs> this stuck is the... in a trap. Oh, that is like. If yeah. anyone would like to donate some uh, WD-40 to the Matt Townsend Show, we have a microphone stand that could desperately use it. Or we it. could use some more microphones. Yeah. Some yeah. Microphone. Somebody let the goat out. The goat is stuck in the trap. Well, this is fun. Today's going to be an interesting topic. And um, Rob, we'll, yeah, let's maybe play the piano thing a little more. This is getting really expensive, man. Can we have like our outgoing music, the trumpet? Oh. Yeah. Let's get that ready. We're going to come back, and we're going to be talking uh, about humor right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. (laughs) 
Voyager 1. Speeding out of our solar system for 35 years, it's still reporting new discoveries from the edge of infinity. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. How far away is Voyager 1 now? The most distant man-made object in space. This plutonium-powered peripatetic is so far away, a radio signal from it traveling at the speed of light still takes 17 hours to reach Earth. Launched at the height of the disco music era, just after America's bicentennial, the Voyager 1 and 2 spacecraft gave us our first detailed look at the outer planets of the solar system. Using Jupiter's and Saturn's gravity as a slingshot, Voyager 1 headed out towards interstellar space at almost 18 kilometers per second in 2004. It passed the major boundary of solar space where the solar wind comes to a halt. Now, Voyager sensors are being tickled by magnetic field lines that connect our solar system to galactic space. If the solar system had a now-leaving-city-limit sign, this magnetic boundary would be it. Scientists think that highly energetic particles from supernovas trade places with our sun's particles there. And Voyager is still working well enough to observe these magnetic field lines as it crosses them, giving scientists a better picture of the edge of infinity. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Did you leave BYU without a degree? I'm thankful for the Bachelor of General Studies program because as I chose the life that I wanted to live, being a full-time mom, staying at home, and raising my children, it just gave me hope that I could still finish my goal, but at the same time I could still be fulfilling my responsibilities as a wife and a mother while still being able to take university courses. Go online to bgs.byu.edu to see if you qualify to finish at home what you started at BYU. Bachelor of General Studies. Welcome back, everybody, to the Laughter Fest, the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are taking on the topic of laughter, humor, and the source of humor. What really makes something funny? We're going to be bringing on an expert, Dr. Michael Billig's going to be with us, and uh, he's going to teach us some things about humor you may not know. But before that, we're going to go to the maestro of humor himself, Bryce Lavar. Tobin. Burton. No. Darn it. Someday we're going to guess his middle name. That's part of the game. Guess his middle name. If you want to get in on the game, one chat byu Guess Bryce Tobin's middle name. And if you win, you will receive a free all-expenses trip paid to... Um, depends where you live. Because <laughs> Walmart. Uh, Walmart nearest you. <laughs> I mean, to- unless you live in New York, it's probably pretty close. So Yeah, good point. So Bryce, what do you find funny? I mean, let's just get real. You find a you find a piano falling funny. That's pretty good. That was that's, funny. That's pretty good. But I have a feeling you would want the piano to fall on someone. Well, see, in that scenario, it would be really great if for me, I, I kind of enjoy dark humor. Yes. Uh, like you want the lights off. <laughs> well, more like if the piano's gonna fall. And if it has to fall on someone, it needs to either fall on the person who paid tons and tons of money to get it, or <laughs> the thief who stole it, yes, or the piano player who's really good at playing it right before the show, or so Madison who wants to know what piano, what kind of piano it is, or she really name. <laughs> there it goes again. We lost another piano. If it like had a name and it was really important and it was a great setup for what it's going to be, and it falls. 
That's just too good. So you like the dark humor. I really kind of do. Okay. Well, I bet you wrote about it, didn't you, in your little bit here? I kind of did. Our own Bryce has some thoughts about why embarrassment is funny that he'd just love to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. If you spend enough time around me, you'll pick up on some of my catchphrases. One of the more prevalent ones is, things will eventually go wrong. Things can go right for as long as they want, but on the planet Earth, things just can't stay that way forever. And I think most of us are pretty aware of this, even though we may not want to admit it or even go as far as to say it out loud. And it's no fun when things fall apart. But it's even worse when there's an audience for your failure. So for this scenario, let's take the embarrassment of slipping and falling. It's always unexpected, unpleasant, and embarrassing because some of us have been walking for a few decades at this point. We've had plenty of time to practice and perfect our technique. There's no reason why we should be slipping. But first, let me set up the scenario. Our offices are on the second floor, and our outer wall is all windows. It's a little piece of heaven for anyone who enjoys people watching. And the sidewalks we get to watch have a slight incline. This winter we had a pretty bad ice storm and the incline made it nearly impossible to walk. But of course that didn't stop anyone from trying their luck. All the employees gathered at the windows and we had a bunch of good hearty laughs at those venturing toward campus and there were three ways that this scenario ended. Most of the falls were funny because the fallers were totally unaware that they had an audience. They were miserable, freezing and walking like penguins. They didn't want to be headed for campus so early in the morning but here they were. Once they hit the incline it wasn't long before they also hit the deck. They'd assess the damage and then look around to see if anyone saw. As far as they could tell, there was either no one around or if someone was there, they were too focused on not slipping to care about anything else that was going on around them. Once they'd composed themselves, they'd continue on like their little tumble never happened. But little did they know, only about 30 feet away in the warmth and comfort behind some windows, five or six producers were on the floor fighting for breath in between guffaws of laughter. And really, this is the best way things could have worked out. They had no clue that we were having a laugh at their expense and we had a laugh. A few times, someone would take a spill and have the presence of mind to look up, only to see all of us laughing at them. And do you want to know the best part? When they saw us, it was even funnier, especially if they laughed it off and kept walking. They were certainly more embarrassed, but they laughed, we laughed, and everyone found something to enjoy. And that got me thinking, what if someone were to slip and fall and act like they did it on purpose, or that they meant to do it by slipping once again? That wouldn't just negate the funny, it would make all of us mad at the person. Nobody likes it when someone tries to be funny. When the slip is natural, it's great fun. When it's forced, it's just desperate. This is because something can't be embarrassing if you did it to yourself in an effort to create embarrassment. The essence of embarrassment is that it has to be something that you didn't want to happen. I mean, come on, the plot twist is always the best part, am I right? All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. You might be onto something. I think I am. And you, really, like, that's, you, you thought that through. When things don't go quite right, right, or at least not the way you wanted it to go, mm-hmm. maybe you don't think it's funny, but for everyone else, yeah. that's some good stuff. When, when somebody trips, it's funny. It yeah. shouldn't be. Just we're, I mean, maybe we're. Just I mean, we should care, and we should. Yeah. Oh no, oh, you fell you and okay? hurt yourself. Sorry, that that's not what happens. You broke your arm. Um, but when they fake a trip, it's not funny. Yeah, yeah. When you they... know when it's not funny. That's like slapstick. That was stupid. Yeah, slapstick. It's. I don't no. know. That, that came and went pretty fast. See, but I think a lot of people have a weird guilt about laughing about someone else's problem. You know what I mean? <laughs> Some people. You're talking you know to the wrong I mean? person with that. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I totally am. So we're going to be talking to the expert. Dr. Michael Billig is going to be with us after this break. He's going to tell us and teach us that maybe this little sense that we have where we ridicule somebody, there's, there's something to that. There's something to this being able to laugh 
is maybe caused by our deeper fears of being ridiculed. Hmm. We're talking about it. Stick with us, folks. Hopefully we'll have a few laughs throughout the show. And watch out for those pianos falling, because there's nothing funnier than that. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back right after this on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Individuals suffering from fatigue, inability to lose weight, depression, anxiety, headaches, or poor circulation may have Hashimoto's, the number one cause of low thyroid. Red River Health and Wellness Physicians conduct extensive medical testing to determine the cause of these symptoms, providing a customized treatment plan for our patients. At Red River Health and Wellness, understanding the cause is the key to finding solutions for a healthy lifestyle. Learn more at lowthyroid101.com. Red River Health and Wellness. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Reviving memories of promises from his first term, President Barack Obama announced a new push to close the Guantanamo Bay prison today. He says keeping prisoners in legal limbo is hurting U.S. interests. The president also says today U.S. officials are not going to jump to conclusions about chemical weapon use in Syria. Instead, a thorough investigation will be held to be more certain about a decision that could send U.S. troops into harm's way. George Zimmerman waived a pretrial hearing to argue he acted in self-defense when he killed teenage Trayvon Martin last year. Zimmerman says he will wait until the official trial in June to bring his defense. A Senate panel is going to further investigate the circumstances surrounding the massive fertilizer plant explosion in West Texas earlier this month that killed 15 people. The panel hopes to find out if gaps in current laws allowed for the tragedy to take place. Washington, D.C. officials are hiring consultants to review centuries-old policy about building height in the nation's capital. The plan is to search for ways to allow buildings to be taller without obstructing views of national landmarks like the Washington Monument. In world news, Pope Francis has accepted an invitation to visit Israel after a meeting with the Israeli president. Francis is urging both Israeli and Palestinian leaders to resume peace talks and make courageous decision, decisions excuse me, to better the region. Queen Beatrix of the Netherlands has abdicated the throne in favor of her son, who will now become the first Dutch king in over 120 years. Officials are expecting about one million people will be visiting the country to mark the occasion. And so far, over 20,000 people have applied to be the first humans to settle on Mars. At least 600 of them are from China. However, the actual flights to the Red Planet are still at least a decade away. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are talking about humor, laughter, and uh, some of its origins, some of the, the, uh, the origins of laughter, why we laugh, what might be that dark little secret behind laughter, um, you know, that makes some of us feel guilty when we, when we laugh at somebody that maybe just tripped or fell or, I don't know, heaven forbid a piano fell on him. Um, this uh, is a really, for me, interesting show because I'm convinced that uh, we need to know more, study more, understand more about laughter because it's a very healing thing. I've even seen in my own practice helping and coaching couples, if I can get people to laugh, they forget they're learning. 
and then we numb them up with all this dopamine, and then you can shoot some truth in there and some skills, and then all of a sudden they don't even mind it. This feels so good, and it uh, it creates a really powerful little cocktail. So we are at, we've asked a special guest joining us from the UK, Dr. Michael Billig. He's a professor professor of social sciences at Loughborough University. He has done research on power, political extremism, ideology, and prejudice. He won the Meyer Center Award for his book, Banal Nationalism. Um, and in 2010, he received the Distinguished Contribution to Social Psychology Award from the British Psychological Society. But most important, and the reason we have him on today, he has written eight books, but one of them is called Laughter and Ridicule Toward a Social Critique of Humor. And we want him to educate us. Dr. Michael Billick, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Hello. Or, hello, or it's actually this evening because it's it's late for you back there, isn't it? That's right. It's uh, half past ten. Holy! Yeah, the... yeah we got to get going so you can get to bed. Oh, that's all right. Okay. So, Doctor Billig, first of all, how how does a professor move from some topics like power, political extremism, ideology, and prejudice, and then eventually land on laughter? Well, I think I've had a a low threshold for boredom. (laughs) I do one topic, and then I get interested in something else. That's great. Uh, And my background's in psychology, and I've always considered humor a bit of a mystery. Have you? Okay. I I actually do, too, and I love it because I I see its healing benefits. But to educate us, what what don't we understand about humor? Well, I think... the. The key question to ask about humour is why in every known society is there humour? Even, even people who live very close to the edge and have very miserable lives nevertheless have the, the institution of humour, as it were, or the culture of humour. Every culture has, a, has some tone or, or undercurrent of some humour in it, huh? That's right. Anthropologists haven't discovered a, a single absolutely serious culture. <laughs> That's great. And, and that makes a social scientist think that maybe humor plays a function. Yeah. Uh, the obvious thing is to say it, it brings people together, and that it's nice. Right. But, but it, it may not be that. My suspicion is that humor plays a role in ensuring that People keep in line and obey the, the small prescriptions of every culture. Should I, should I say what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you're saying there's kind of a dark, seedy side to uh, the humor which keeps people in check. Absolutely. Love it. In keep going. In everyday life, we can't do just what we want. We have to be polite to people. We have to... Uh, consider other people. We we have to modify how we behave so we're not entirely selfish. Uh-huh. That's why we're social beings, and every culture, of course, has different prescriptions of what people must do to be considered to be behaving appropriately in everyday life. Then you can ask the question, why do people do this? Why do we uh, not act on what we want to do, but act on what we should do. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the essence of the answer is we're scared of ridicule. If we just do what we want to do, if we breathe,
break the social codes, we'll find that people will laugh at us. Right. And that is not pleasant. That's so interesting. that could be a reason yeah. why every culture has humour, because it's a way of disciplining people, making people scared of uh, being ridiculed. It's, it's int- I You know what? And there's something to that, because... I mean, there's there's always seems like in every culture people that won't obey the rules no matter what. Yeah. But it seems like even they don't want like the late night talk show host to make fun of them. That's right. You know what I mean? So that that might be like a kinder, gentler way. I mean, it's one thing if the police force and the government itself can't control some of these radicals. But the minute the the comedy people, the comedians and the late night people are all laughing at them. It's that's got to hurt a little bit more than the government being mad. That's right, but but it's not just people who may be uh, rebellious or, or doing things dramatically. It, it's for us all. Why do we always say please and thank you? Why do we oh, right. uh, wear the right clothes? And uh, uh, just every act we do is seems to be hedged by conventions. Well, you can see that, like moms that get so embarrassed by their kids. And they kind of they create this fear on the do not embarrass me. You will wear your belt to school. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And and why do kids obey teachers and obey their parents? Yeah, because they're scared of authority mocking them and and above all, scared of their peers mocking them. Oh, that is no true. That's the peer pressure, isn't it? Absolutely. And you see, if you didn't have something like ridicule to keep people in check, the society would have to use very gross punishments for very minor offences. Right. Uh, and this is a simple way. Well, we used to do that, didn't we? We used to actually punish people, putting them in the locks, or, you know, where they had to just stand there with their head and arms locked up, out That's in the public right. square, more out of ridicule, in a way, a social yeah, punishment. That, that tended to be for... Uh, quite severe offences, okay. like theft. It wasn't for uh, uh, saying good morning inappropriately. Yeah, the social norms. the wrong intonation when you greet someone or say mm-hmm. goodbye to them. Fascinating. Uh, because the studies which show that if you ask people what, they, uh, what has been the most embarrassing episode in their life, they tell you things, and well, what embarrasses people is if they forget someone's name or yeah. if they're unintentionally rude to someone or whatever. If you ask people what has been the most funny thing they've ever seen, regardless, excluding professional comedians, right. in, but what, what has made them laugh in everyday life, they give virtually the same answers except with one difference. What they find funny are the embarrassing episodes which happen to others. Oh, yeah. What they find the most embarrassing thing is if that same episode happened to them. That is so, so a true. a real link between embarrassment and humor. That is, really, because the funniest, so I do a lot of speaking, and the funniest story I tell that gets the most laughs is when I jumped on a trampoline from a really high deck, and um, <clears> it bounced me off. Well, it actually shot me off like a rocket. And right. people laugh, and they think, that's so funny, you got killed. And um, But it's true, isn't it? We really, we think other people being embarrassed it's, is fun. We think that's funny. That's right. I mean, imagine if, if, 
you were interviewing a guest and he was right by you and he hadn't zipped up his trousers oh, yeah. and was unaware of it. Totally. You'll be trying to stop yourself <laughs> laughing. No, totally. But, it, but if that guest realized it, he'd wake up in the middle of the next night and just wouldn't go to sleep. I know. Say, oh, was I like that? And people were laughing. And, it, <laughs> and actually, we seem to worry about small infringements of social codes rather than the big ones. Yeah, why is that? Why are we more worried about the little, narrow, slim ones? I, I think it is the fear of ridicule. Yeah. If you do something pretty bad, morally bad, uh, like, like if you're committing adultery or if you're uh, being a bit criminal, yeah. that's not funny. No, that's just, yeah, that's rude. That's wrong. That's wrong, yes. But if you're doing things like forgetting someone's name or not zipping your clothes up or going out uh, with something stuck in your hair and everyone's <laughs> laughing, yeah. that's not morally wrong, but you're, you're the object of ridicule. And it, often that's more painful than people thinking you as morally wrong. Isn't that interesting? So you, what I love is that this is a side of humor we don't think about. It's a, it's how we normalize, huh? It's how we, I guess that's not, maybe that's not the word. It's how we, it's how we make somebody comport. That's right. It's disciplinary. Yeah. It's fascinating. And um, is it, is it, it's not taught, it's just inferred, isn't it? It's kind of a system that we've inferred. I mean, I, I, that's a way that I know how to, um, it, like when I teach, when I teach at church and have a little church meeting with these young the youth and one of them's being a little mouthy, I know that if I just embarrass him a little bit, he'll shape That's right awesome. up. Yeah, especially if you can get the other kids laughing at them. Isn't that interesting? That is that is just maniacal. That is horrible. We are, yeah, it, it's we're bad people. We normally think of humor. We think it's all very benign yeah. and nice, but uh, there is, I, I think the dark side is, sociologically speaking, the more significant side. I think you're right. And it, and it really is when you think about how it's um, being pushed on, on YouTube and all of these other channels. I mean, there's so many television shows. Uh, Candid Camera, do you remember that show? And oh, yeah. All of these most embarrassing moment shows, it really is, it's all about, and people are making money on America's Funniest Videos, and it's, it's a big, it's an interesting thing um, to see this dark side. Wow. That's right. And because it's, it's presented as humor, you feel allowed to be cruel. Right. Yeah, because I'm not meaning anything, and I didn't do it. They caused it. I mean, they fell. I'm just That's right. Can a guy yeah, not and laugh? I'm laughing, and I'm laughing because I have a good sense of humor. That's right. But we're really just laughing at the ridicule of another. Yes. Yeah. Uh, although it may, it may be even more complicated than that. Yeah. Well, let's do this, Doctor. Let's come back. We're talking with Doctor Michael Billig. Um, from the UK. He is the author of a book, Laughter and Ridicule, Towards Social Critique of Humor. He also has a new book coming out in a few weeks entitled Learn to Write Badly, How to Write for Social Sciences. Oh, that's actually very, that's a great title. We're going to have to maybe get into that. 
as well. We're talking with Dr. Billig. We'll be back. We're learning about the dark side of humor right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Backwards listen must you story this understand to. And it gets stranger from there. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Researchers at the University of Maryland refer to their discovery as time reversal. Before you start worrying about the health of your great-great-grandparents, it's not the same as time travel. It is, however, a very futuristic-sounding technique. The research modeled how electromagnetic waves bounce off various objects and how those waves are changed after being reflected. What they've figured out is that unique objects create a unique pattern within that reflected energy. In theory, you could feed a mirror image of that signal out and it will find and resonate only with that original object. What are the applications for this discovery? In communications, it would create hyper-secure omnidirectional radios only one authorized receiver could pick up. It could selectively jam cell phones. It could even be used to beam power to a device such as a laptop or a car, even without knowing the location. In medicine, coupled with the right nanoparticles injected into a tumor, it could target a cancer like a trained sniper, leaving healthy cells unscathed. But no time travel. Sorry. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. There isn't a better way to listen to music than from a live concert. But let's be honest, no one can make it to a concert every night. So on Highway 89, we bring you music like you're actually there at the concert with front row seats. We aren't playing some doctored up recording and there are no do-overs. Instead, we bring raw music straight from our studio to you. Tune in weeknights at 10 p.m. Eastern to Highway 89 on BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking with Dr. Michael Billig, professor of social sciences at Loughborough University in the United Kingdom. Now, Dr. Billig, you this is what I love about you. Everybody, when you got off the phone, they're all like, I love his accent. <laughs> so it, your accent seems not only like you're smarter, but uh, that you're funnier. I don't know what it's about. Well, my accent doesn't sound strange to me. <laughs> I know. I bet it sounds perfectly normal for you. Absolutely. Do- Dr. Billig has written eight books, including one book, Laughter and Ridicule, Toward a Social Critique of Humor. And he's been enlightening us about uh, one of maybe the biggest causes or reasons for humor is to keep people in check. We use humor to induce a little fear of ridicule for people, so they'll follow the social norms, I guess, the, the rules of society. Is that what you're saying, Doc? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And But, 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 but that's not the only right. uh, use of humor, but that, that may be why humor has developed over time. And but lasted, now we, and lasted now, cross-culturally. Now we have many other different forms right. of humor. And it and it, it's it also you brought up an, a really interesting point that humor, you know, it's not a it's it's a universal 
phenomena. It's a universal issue. It's not a uh, every culture has it. Does every culture use humor the same way? No, absolutely not. Okay. And not every culture finds the same things funny. Yeah, that's for uh, sure. Indeed, not every person finds the same things funny at different times. Is humor socialized? Because I see my children kind of being raised with my form of humor, and they they actually get my form. Uh, and then their friends come over, and their friends just think I'm weird. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... You don't need to agree. Just, yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, humor is very social. Yeah. We, we laugh more when we're in company mm-hmm. than when we're on our own. That's true. Uh, a very great philosopher, Henri Bergson, said... Laughter needs an audience. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's fun in, in a way. It's it's edifying to laugh with others. It's unifying, right? Uh, it, it can unify you with those you're laughing with, right? And divide you from those you're laughing against. Okay. Okay. So teach us. Then there's obviously other reasons for all this laughter than just the idea to ridicule somebody and kind of keep them in check. What are some of the other reasons? Well, some laughter has virtually no connection with humor because we can use laughter to communicate different things to people. For instance, if you're, going, you're speaking with a friend and you're going to tell them some troubles which you've been through, but you don't, you don't want them to think you've been really ground down by the trouble. Right. You might say, oh, I went to the doctor today, but it wasn't that bad news, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. And you put in a few little laughter particles. And, and it kind of, it, that's subtly saying, so relax, it, we don't need to get into my sickness. That, that, that's right. And also, this form of laughter is not social, but the person you, you, you've you just delivered the laughter to is not expected to join in. You're not saying, mm-hmm. oh, ha, 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 you went to the doctor and heard some bad news. Yeah. So laughter we use for communicating very subtle messages sometimes. Well, and it seems like the youth of the today are seeing that as they're all out there text messaging, but they still need to throw in a little LOL, right? A little laughing out loud comment in their text to create That's that right. same subtle relief. Yeah, and it's also to illustrate that what they said shouldn't be taken as literally true. I love that. Yeah. It's 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 just it's just another it's just another um it's just another language really. That's right. If you think if you're talking to someone and you smile, the smile doesn't actually communicate that you necessarily feel happy or that they said something funny, the smile could be to put them at ease or to indicate that you're a kind person or whatever. It's, it's quite subtle. Hmm. Right. And healthy. I mean, I mean, where would we be without this whole line of, you know, humor, a little sarcasm, a little chuckle? I mean, all of these little, these little nuances of our communication, they, they facilitate so much understanding and in a way almost just i mean i guess it depends if you're on the positive side of it uh it just it it it, it makes our our conversation so much safer they seem that's right that's right uh, but in evolutionary terms we can ask well why do we laugh and the same answer is why do we cry as well 
it's because we have this long childhood, and in the early, the first year, you can't use language very well. Mm-hmm. But you need to, the child needs to tell its parent or whoever's looking after it, I'm uncomfortable or I'm comfortable. And so if we didn't have the ability to laugh or cry, we might not get through childhood as successfully or infancy as successfully as we do. Yeah, it is. I mean, when you can get your kid, a child laughing, you you know we're good. We know we're happy again. Yes, yes. That's fascinating. And and a child which can't cry can't tell the parents that uh, things aren't very good, but it needs food or warmth. Mm -hmm. Is it contagious? What, laughter? Yeah. Laughter, laughter is much more contagious than crying, but crying under certain circumstances also can be contagious. No, it is. That's so true. If you've been to a funeral or a, a wake and you see one person break down and lose it, and it, that right there can just set everyone off. I, and I guess laughing's the same way. Yeah. One of the most contagious moments for laughter is when one person starts laughing at a moment when people know they shouldn't laugh. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Uh, if you're in a serious place, uh, like yeah. a place of religion. Yeah, like a place of worship. Or a classroom or something, and someone starts laughing, and uh-huh. you see something funny, then it be, it's all very heightened then. <laughs> that is, and is that, why, I mean, explain more of that. Why would that be so, I mean, it seems like you'd want to shut that person down and everybody just get mad at them. Like, look at that that horrible, horrible person laughing in a well, temple. Yeah, well, well, I think this is the other side of the relationship between laughter and discipline. That uh, laughter can be used to discipline people and make them obey codes. Uh-huh. But laughter is also a way of rebelling against a restriction. And uh, the more restrictive it is, the, the more the temptation is to laugh. And once it starts, you just can't stop it. Right. It is. It's a rebellion. You're, you're just yeah. not supposed to laugh when the teacher yells, kids, get serious. And then someone starts laughing. That's like pure rebellion. Yes. Or imagine a very strict teacher who, 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 whose clothing is, is in disarray. Mm-hmm. I mean, whenever I give a lecture, I'm always uh, try to make certain that I, I look to see that my trousers are zipped up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Imagine if I gave a serious lecture and the students started noticing, but they weren't yeah. zipped up. Hey, you think that's bad, doctor? I've actually given a workshop where I left my microphone on when I went into the bathroom. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, what are you laughing at? I'm not yes, I'm trying to exactly. figure out if that's the dark laughter where you're punishing me or you're trying to commiserate with me. But I left <laughs> yes. the microphone on and I came out and a bunch of nurses, it was a nursing group, and they're all like, whoa, you sound healthy. And um, anyway, I'm like, what do you say? You can't talk your way out of that. Did you sleep well that night I, or did you keep Oh, no, I thought of, I still think about it. The minute I tell that story, I just get really hot and warm and sweaty. That is, oh, yeah. Isn't it funny? I you haven't done that again. No, oh, no, 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 no. And I left my zipper down for a speech, and now every time I go anywhere with my wife when I'm speaking, she'll always lean over and say, is your zipper up? Yes. And that, 
And it's funny. It's our little shared thing. But it really is kind of, once again, it almost feels punitive. Like, don't embarrass me again. Get your zipper up. I love and, and this. That, that's an instance of what I was saying before. But often we're more concerned about the little infractions on social code. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you've probably occasionally done much worse in your life. Oh, yeah. It doesn't give you the, such a bad feeling as that embarrassment. Yeah. Do you, do you sense, do you sense, again, we're talking with Dr. Michael Billig, uh, who's written a book, Laughter and Ridicule, Toward a Social Critique of Humor. But do you sense, Dr. Billig, that um, there are some people that actually are really more okay being laughed at? And, and in fact, they like it. Well, that can be a defensive reaction mm-hmm. because you can get self-mockery in first. Yeah. And you can show uh, that uh, you can take a joke, but often people who are like that will direct the laughter against an aspect of themselves which they don't mind being laughed at so yeah. much. And as, and, and as long as they're doing the directing, huh? As long as they're laughing at themselves. But when someone else points it out, not as funny. That's right. Yes, yes. Mm. It can be quite hurtful. Yeah. And there are occasions when we all have to pretend that we're not hurt by laughter. But it can strike very deeply. Yeah. And it... And it um, so as, as we sit here listening... We're going to come back and we're going to take a break, but we're going to, and I want to really have you teach us. I mean, are there some things that we should be doing better? You know, I mean, you've helped us understand that there is kind of a dark side to this. There's kind of a a punitive side to laughter. There's also a shared side to it. Um, But are are there some other rules or things that we should be maybe watching out for as we're just, you know, coexisting and laughing at each other? So be thinking about that, will you, Dr. Billig? Again, we'll be back with Dr. Michael Billig, the author of Laughter and Ridicule Toward a Social Critique of Humor. He also has a new book coming out in a few weeks, Learn to Write Badly, How to Write for Social Sciences. Wonderful guest, wonderful insight about laughter, the dark and the beautiful bright side of it. We'll be back learning more right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. You have opinions, stories, and ideas to share, too. So be ready to call in to one of our BYU Radio talk shows and share your thoughts on air by adding our toll-free number to your contacts. It's 855-CHAT-BYU. So next time you're listening to Matt Townsend, The Morning Show, or Julie Hanks, you'll be ready to add your two cents. Just add our number to your phone now. Again, our number is 855-CHAT-BYU. That's 855-242-8298. We can't wait to hear from you. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Obama is renewing his vow to close the Guantanamo Bay prison, where over 100 inmates are currently on a hunger strike. The president says holding prisoners in legal limbo is against U.S. interests. There will be a thorough investigation into the possibility that Syrian regime forces have been using chemical weapons. President Obama says he will not hastily make a decision that could send U.S. soldiers into battle.
George Zimmerman waived a pretrial hearing to argue he acted in self-defense when he killed teenage Trayvon Martin last year. Zimmerman says he will wait until his official trial in June to bring his defense. A Senate panel is going to further investigate the circumstances surrounding the massive fertilizer plant explosion in West Texas earlier this month that killed 15 people. The panel hopes to find out if gaps in current laws allowed for the tragedy to take place. Washington, D.C. officials are hiring consultants to review centuries-old policy about building height in the nation's capital. The plan is to search for ways to allow buildings to be taller without obstructing views of national landmarks like the Washington Monument and the Capitol Building. In world news, Pope Francis is headed to Israel for the first time since becoming the leader of the Catholic Church. In a recent meeting with the Israeli president, Francis urged both Israeli and Palestinian leaders to renew peace talks. Queen Beatrix of the Netherlands has abdicated the throne in favor of her son, who will now become the first Dutch king in over 120 years. Officials are expecting about one million people will be visiting the country to mark the the occasion. And joint U.S.-South Korean military drills have ended on the Korean peninsula, but diligence to surveillance of activities in the north remains high. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are uh, talking about humor and uh, just some of the deeper um, insights about laughter, humor, a little bit of ridicule, how, uh, how much of our humor is about ridicule, keeping somebody in line, getting them to live some of the social norms, the social standards that uh, we want them to live. We're talking with Dr. Michael Billig, professor of social sciences at Loughborough University. Uh, he's done research on power, political extremism, ideology, and prejudice. He's, the distinguished con- he's won the Distinguished Contribution to Social Psychology Award from the British Psychological Society and is the author of Laughter and Ridicule Toward a Social Critique of Humor. Dr. Billig, welcome back to the show. Hi. Yes. It's so good to have you. And, you know, uh, on the break, everyone is checking their zippers. They all want to make sure that they're not uh, having an embarrassing moment. Um, fill, okay, fill us in. So we, we've, we've talked a little bit about the fact that um, I, I heard something about the unlaughter, and I don't know that you've gotten into that yet. What, when you say unlaughter, what do you mean by that? Right, it, it's somewhat similar to describing someone as being unsmiling. Uh, you can smile. And then if you want to portray yourself as being very serious, you, you, you put on a face which isn't just an absence of a smile, but is looking very unsmiling. Interesting. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's like you're almost stern. You're almost in protest of what somebody exactly. said. And it's the same with laughter. But if someone tells a joke or makes a humorous comment, which you think is morally wrong, yeah. you don't just fail to laugh. You can demonstrate quite openly that you're not laughing. Yes. It's rather like Queen Victoria was meant to have said, we are not amused. <laughs> that's it. But you're just doing it without having to say it. That's right. That, yes. And that's real, isn't it? Because if somebody says something that's, you know, that's not appropriate or 
um, a racist comment that they might be laughing at. If you're not laughing, you're communicating unlaughter. That's right. Yeah, which is different from just just not happening to laugh. Yeah, not getting it. Yeah, not like yeah. I like that. So it really is uh, the inability to get a joke is, or, or to, to laugh with somebody is just as powerful. The unlaughter is just as powerful as the laughter at correction. Yeah, it's not the inability. Right. No, it's the ability. You can get it. approval of that. And this is because humor is, is a social act, and it's a social act which has meaning. And sometimes people will think the meaning is wrong. So it may be they disapprove of that sort of joke uh, thoroughly, or they disapprove of telling a joke at that particular time. Right, like in the middle of a wake or a funeral. That's right. Or, or sometimes uh, uh, telling a funny story at a, at a funeral where the death has not been totally tragic, you know, it's someone who's old and right. lived a good life. But the, 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 the joke or the funny comic can bring people together. Mm-hmm. But at other times, it can just be wrong. How, how do we, I mean, do you teach humor or is it just socialized, so socialized that to actually sit down and and teach it? I mean, you, you teach it at a university, basically. Yeah, no, I don't teach it. I, I, I'm very much an academic, okay. which, uh, which means I'm pretty useless. Well, and nobody laughs. Yeah, nobody laughs less than an academic. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of people laugh at academics. That's exactly right. But uh, so it's not something like we can sit down. Tonight, I promise you, I will be teaching my children some of this. Because to me, humor is amazingly powerful, but you've brought up another side of it that is equally as powerful um, as a method to control, to communicate, to get act, you know, to get the action you want. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, well, it's, why I wrote the book is that so many theorists at the moment and social scientists are just assuming that humor is a good thing. Right. And the more laughter and the more humor is, the better the world is and the more healthy people are. And that, I think, is an overestimation. No, I think you're right. And I, it's like we haven't even picked up on that side of it. But, yeah. but it, I mean, in reality, it's probably the reason it's lasted this long is because it has served such a valuable purpose, a kind of a beating stick, if you were, if you would. That's right. And it's only really in the last hundred years that people have thought humor is, is a good in itself. Mm-hmm. The notion of having a good sense of humor is a notion, really, which has only grown in the last hundred years. And before, was it just not noticed, or was it just... What was it? What was humor for? Hmm. Nowadays, if if you're uh, trying to get a spouse, if you advertise uh, on the small advertisements for for a spouse, so many people say a good sense of humor. If you were looking for a partner for life 100 years ago, 150 years ago, that wouldn't have been uppermost in your mind. You'd say a good set of teeth. A good set of teeth uh, (laughs) or a good good sense of duty. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Nobility. Yeah. A strong back. A strong back, (laughs) yes. Right? I mean, right. And clean. That's right. Good hygiene. Exactly. Yes. It's, but it's it's true, huh? We've it's kind of I guess we've transcended our more, our more basic needs. Now we're getting picky about their humor. Yes. 
Because it's also well, interesting over, you know, in my family, it was always watch out for sarcasm because sarcasm was always seen as the negative humor. Um, but, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot more than just sarcasm that has negative humor. Yes, I think so. Yes. There's mockery, there's, uh, uh, laughing at people who are different. Yeah. Uh, laughing at disability as mm-hmm. well. Um, there's a, there's a lot of cruelty in humor. There is. Tell me what, uh, you know, what have you learned? What would you teach? the people you care most about, um, about humor? What would you want them to know? Or what what rules would you give them to be able to maybe balance this a bit? I, I would say to them, be careful. Humor can be wonderful, but it also can be a weapon. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to use it as a weapon, make certain you've only used it against those who you wish to injure or take down a peg or correct. Yeah, so make it intentional. That's right. Being being control. We, we think of humor as something you're not in control of, but I'd say be, try to be in control of who you choose to laugh at. Yeah. Um, that's great advice, isn't it? What uh, What would you say? Now, apparently Freud had a theory of humor. Is that true? Yes. Because we don't oh, see, yes. he, he probably had the greatest. What? Because it, you know, Freud gets—he's kind of got a bad reputation in some circles today, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> uh, and not always for bad reasons. No, but I, I think his his theory of humor is one of the the great forgotten aspects of Freud's work. What is the theory? His theory is that. By and large, we can use humor to avoid taboos. Mm. There's restrictions on what we can say and what we can think. But sometimes we say uh, things which are a way of escaping the taboo. So, so, supposing your wife or your wife's friend has had a new hairstyle, mm-hmm. gone to the gone to the barbers and come back with a hairstyle and is looking all pleased with themselves, uh, and uh, they say to you, uh, "Do you like my hair?" <laughs> and you say, "No, it looks awful," and you do think it looks yeah. awful, and then you say, "Just joking." Just joking. It looks good on you. But what what humor has allowed you to do is to say what you otherwise couldn't say. Interesting. And then you slightly take it back by saying just joking. Now, what Freud noticed is we don't make jokes about everything. Most of the jokes which are made are about taboo topics, Mm -hmm. about sex, about lavatories, about disease, and above all, about death. Yeah, religion, yeah. Yep. Interesting. The, the taboo areas, you know, the... That's right, and, the, and Freud said, those are the areas where we laugh most. Mm. But, but, but the same joke, it, well, we, we kid ourselves that what we laugh at is the quality of a joke. But he right. said, no, you can have a, a good quality joke about an innocent topic, and you don't laugh as much as a good quality joke about a taboo it's so true. It is so true. It's like it just allows you access in 
and then hopefully and kind of a uh, you can get out without much of a problem usually because you just right. you just laugh it off. I was just kidding. I was just yeah. kidding. Your mom's not yeah. that bad. She's a good lady. It's so interesting. Yeah. Um, So really, I guess that's one of the things you're saying, though, is if you're going to to delve into the taboo area, be careful. Yes. Tread lightly. Yes. Be in control. (laughs) That's right. Yes. Have some awareness of what you're doing. Well, and you're... that, That, of course, was Freud's great message. Wasn't change your behavior... Be aware of what you're doing and why you're doing it. That's a great lesson, really. I mean, mm. it really, because, again, it can be so healing and it can be so hurtful. And, um, I mean, that's why using too much humor on a child that doesn't understand it really could be painful. That's right. Yes. Yes. Fascinating. Is uh, anything else we need to know, kind of as we wrap this up? We're talking with Dr. Michael Billig. Is there anything else that you look at and you think, you know what, humor is this? Well, I think there's probably another million and one things we need to know. <laughs> and and uh, they're all things, unfortunately, I don't know. I know. But what, what I love about how you just shared with us is um, it's such a universal that every one of us f- can so quickly relate to everything you're saying I feel because we've all been there. You know what I mean? We've all been on the ugly side of the joke, on the positive side of the joke. We've probably all felt a little guilty after we made the joke. It's uh, it's very it's it's very universal, isn't it? Yes, yes. And well, I, I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity to. You bet. And thank you. you on this. Thank you for staying up so late. Um, I hope we didn't ruin your night. Now you can go no, listen no. to the late night comedians as they make fun of the queen. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Billig. Appreciate you. And again, uh, go get his book. Go check out his book, Laughter and Ridicule Toward a Social Critique of Humor. Uh, really good stuff and a, a great guest. I think we learned a lot. And we're going to come back. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to... Um, do a little bit of a wrap-up, see if we can't give you a few more tools, maybe show you some rules for humor and your family or your spouse. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. They don't know they're demonstrating fluid dynamics, but what penguins do know is how to huddle to keep everybody equally warm. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The next time you huddle in a crowd at a snowy bus stop, you may think you know how to keep warm, but penguins have you beat. Where they hang out, the bus takes about six months to show up, and winds can gust to 100 miles an hour at 60 Fahrenheit below zero. Yet they can generate a balmy 70 degrees at the center of their huddle, What scientists wanted to know was the method by which the cold guys at the edge changed places with the warm guys at the center, so that everybody averaged out pretty well. Francois Blanchet is an applied mathematician at the University of California, and he's created a mathematical model where virtual penguins, each just trying to get warmer, end up circulating in a path that distributes the heat as fairly as possible. The mathematical model matches up fairly well to actual patterns in the wild, and it shares common features with flying flocks of birds, schools of fish, and the like. 
This model may help to program future swarms of micro-robots that need to cooperate like one composite individual. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking about the humor, or humor, the good, the bad, the ugly of, uh, you know, humor and laughing at people. It's it's painful. It can be a very painful thing, as we just learned from Dr. Billig. It can also be, um, you know, a little form of controlling another person, maybe keeping them in check. And our own Madison Allred, who's got an incredible sense of humor. <laughs> Oh, and she's wearing thanks, a sequin. Tyler. She's wearing a sequin. Oh yeah, this guy's like Scott. not so much, as he's on his way to the bathroom. <laughs> See ya. Hey, that shouldn't have made the radio. Um, you've got your little sequin shirt on, which uh, I'm sure it's called a blouse, which. Under the lights is creating quite a little disco effect. Which I think is re- Oh, now I see it. Okay. Yeah. At first I was like, I don't quite see what you're talking yeah, about. But it's okay. a disco effect. I see it. So uh, you've been doing shirt. some research for us about, um, I guess, embarrassing moments for people. Yes. So you know how you were saying that humor can kind of be used to keep yeah. people in check? Well, these are stories submitted on Reddit. Um, it's an internet site where people can have conversations, share funny stories, things like that. Rob calls it the male uh, Facebook. Reddit is go. the male version of Facebook. No, I know a lot of guys that use Facebook, but you know, yeah. like, know. there you go. But um, so, yeah, it's kind of where they use certain methods to control their children. But, you know, kind of looking at it, it's pretty funny. For example, one kid said about how, you know, his best friend used to go on and on about he cannot have the generic cereal he's just like oh it's just he can totally just taste the difference he just can't have it and he was sleeping over at his friend's house one time and he woke up pretty early you know went upstairs to use bathroom and to go get some food and in the kitchen he saw his best friend's mom filling the fruit loops box with the bag of the generic stuff and she just said don't tell anybody (laughs) Interesting. Yes. Yeah, I know. See, that's a, that, yeah, but he's going to find out someday, and then they're going to need therapy. <laughs> someday. My personal favorite is this one where this kid, he says that he grew up in Massachusetts, and around in kindergarten, all of his friends were going to Disney World. And he was like, oh, I really, really want to go. He said that he was, you know, because he'd never been to Florida, but his parents were like, we can't afford going all the way to Florida, you know, we're from Massachusetts. And he would just cry, beg, and... One day, you know, after a few, like a month of this, they were just like, you know what? We're going to go to Disneyland. And so they were like, what? What? This kid is so excited. So they go to Disneyland. Yeah. And he goes on the horse ride that goes back and forth. And they got some candy necklaces. He's very, very happy. And he's like, oh, it's kind of funny. There's a lot of couches and chairs and furniture in Disney World, but never really thought much about it. The next day he said, guys, I went to Disney World. And everyone's like, oh, you're only there for one day? Like, oh, that's, that's kind of strange. Yeah, like, who does that? Kind of a week-long trip, right. or at least half a week, you know? And so he was amazed. Like, they're like, how did you do this? They turned it into a positive thing. It was only later that he realized that his parents took him to Jordan's Furniture Store <laughs> and told him that it was Disney World. Oh, oh, oh. See, not even funny. 
I actually think that's really funny. That kid <laughs> is going to be traumatized. Yeah, but as... He'll never be able to buy furniture. But I was telling the story funny. to Bryce, and he was like, you know, I bet that that's one of the situations where he didn't realize it until, like, high school or college. And he's telling people, oh, yeah, well, when I went to Disney World, you know, this and this yeah. happened. They're going, what? <laughs> like... That's not yeah. how Disney World. I remember like. sitting on all those couches <laughs> at Disney World, couches. Disneyland. Isn't that funny? And yeah. it's, um, it's, it's. You know, you can pull that over, but when the older they get, you can't pull that over anymore. Yeah, but, I've tried. I mean, have you? And you've heard of the classic stories of people replacing like dead pets and stuff like that. Yeah. So this. <laughs> One guy, he said, you know, when he was a kid, he had a pet hamster that he would just walk up to his arm and sleep on his shoulder, and he just loved that. And when he was 16, he was sitting, um, and they were talking about his childhood, and he said, oh, you know, I just love that hamster. And the dad said, oh, do you mean hamster one or hamster two? And the kid's gone, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> so Are you serious? Just, and so he's just saying, like, oh, you know, uh, turns out that... The dad had left the hamster's cage in the sun. The hamster, the poor hamster died. Oh, no way. But so the dad was freaking out and brought it onto the bed to kind of break the news to the kid. But the kid just came in and was like, oh, sleeping, and petted the dead <laughs> hamster and said, I'll see you when I get back from school. And so he was like, okay, we just got to go get a sleeping new hamster. Sleeping hamster. So they went and got a new hamster. And he said, yeah, you were so ecstatic when you saw that your hamster got bigger. Oh, so. my heavens. Okay, see, that's funny, though. You th- These are stories that you could go to your – you could go sit at school and everyone could share their, like, these stories and everyone would relate. That's where humor could be very bonding. Yeah. I like it. Okay, so we're going to wrap up the show with an, a, a question for you. Um, we've got humor, we've got laughter, you know, is it ever okay to tease your spouse? Let's go to, um, let's go to a little audio here. This is, um, a husband who was, I think he has just recently married and he had a little question for his wife, um, that she just couldn't figure out. And he eventually recorded the whole thing put it up on the internet, and made big national news as it went viral. All right, we're traveling from Logan to Boise, and I just proposed a math question to my beautiful wife, Chelsea. And the question, very difficult to calculate, is if you are traveling 80 miles per hour, how long does it take you to go 80 miles? Okay, what do you think, Chel? Let's go through the process. What do you think? Well, if I run the mile in about nine minutes... Wait, what about the tire turning thing you were talking about? you think that affects it? Well, I'm just guesstimating probably about... It turns about 400 <laughs> times in a mile. That's just ca- calculate, like guessing calculations? Yeah, I don't know how you would work that out. It would be tough. So, I don't know, because if I run a mile in, like, nine minutes, then, I mean, but that's when I'm out of shape. When I'm really in shape, at, like, <laughs> seven minutes is when I'm, like, really in shape. And that takes me a mile. And we're going 80 miles. I'm running at about probably 10 miles per hour, if that. Yeah. And that's pretty fast for a human being, I think. 
he, by the way, the, the husband that's listening to her keeps like showing the camera, on, putting the camera minutes, on himself and rolling his eyes as she's trying to figure out. Think about 80 miles per hour. This is just too so great. So how long does it take me to go 80 miles if I'm traveling 80 You're miles driving fast. per you are, hour? You are driving faster than a minute a mile. Yeah, totally. So it, I would whack 80 in half, and that's 40. Because, I mean, you're probably going just, two minutes a mile. Just whack it in half. Well, it depends on that. I mean, some cars' tires turn faster than others. Yeah. Well, some tires do turn faster. It. She's got a great point. Because, I mean, I think a truck probably is slower because it weighs more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Slower weight but at 80 it miles an hour. I think if your car's a stick. Automatic. Yeah, that'll okay, be. Okay, ciao. Okay, think so, about the term miles per hour. Okay, <laughs> this goes on for another so, two and a half minutes, and um, <laughs> it's it's had nine million views. This version of it, nine million views. Well, it it ended up being a really big deal because you know she you know there's a million reasons why it's not. I mean, eighty miles an hour because trucks are heavier. <laughs> Of course. And so cars are might... lighter. So that's a different <laughs> mile per hour. Yeah. And when this made news, you know, she was not very happy She about was mad. It. Yeah. And um, and she was really mad that he was – she was more mad that he was recording and mm -hmm. then rolling his eyes while she was going off and halfing 80 miles an hour and all of her little theories. Um, eventually, she went on one of the morning shows – and the husband was on the show and, and literally like had to apologize, wanted to apologize publicly to everyone and kind of renounced th his humor that it wasn't appropriate. And they're probably now in deep therapy. <laughs> That's some trust issues right there. That's a big deal. So th there's your rule, okay? Should you use humor with your family? I would say, yeah, sure. Here's some rules, though, okay? If you're going to use humor with your spouse, um, A, don't record it. The minute you record it, uh, you're, you're already crossing the line. B, if you did record it, don't post it on the internet because that'll really get you in trouble. Unless you have a signed release from her, then you can capitalize and make lots of money on it. Yeah, I mean, it could be something funny that you bring back at family reunions, you yeah. know, like, oh, isn't this funny that mom did this? Well, he went home and showed the family, and the family laughed, and that kind of began the whole thing. And then she didn't think he'd post it, and then he posted it, and then all of a sudden it went viral. So remember, whatever, you, whatever humor or joke you make, it's going to go viral. So here's a rule for you. If you're going to... Use humor. One of the rules you need to use is make sure you focus on the long-term relationship, not just the short-term reaction. If you go on YouTube, you can see husbands and wives playing tricks on each other all through YouTube and videoing them, uh, putting cockroaches in each other's food, doing all of these crazy things, um, I don't know, squirting them with water. Remember, there is a long-term relationship that's going to be more important than the startling reaction of your partner. So can I just challenge you, if you're going to use humor, it's totally fine. I truly believe it. Make sure we're using the lifting humor, not the lowering humor. Um, also, remember that usually the funniest moments are found. They're not created. If you have to conjure up 
a really interesting contraption to trap somebody to find and make something funny, um, that's probably not the healthiest humor. Jokes are probably fun, but uh, at some point, the funniest moments I've ever found are, are in the moment by just being present. I've had times just with a child that had the hiccups and with his hiccups, it just made the night because we were all laughing so hard. And um, or, you know, just subtle, funny little moments, funny little things that uh, that are that, that can be had if you're in the moment. So one of the rules with humor is always be present in the moment. Try to always also um, remember the dignity of the being you're working with. People are good to the core. They have a good heart. And just because we do stupid things on the outside, you know, try to honor the dignity of the people you love around you. Folks, that's the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, We're done for the day. The humor lessons are over. Join us again tomorrow for more ideas, more tools to give you a leg up in life. And uh, thanks for joining us and making us laugh and laughing with us right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.